0: Welcome back to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B growth podcast. I'm Alex Hipwell with X-Growth, your co-host for this podcast, where you'll hear from B2B executives and sales and marketing roles on the newest and most effective strategies and tactics in the B2B space. Now, let's dive right into this episode.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. I'm Shaheen Hoda with X-Growth. And today I'm talking to David Mason, Director of Marketing Services at Experian, about the importance of why you shouldn't try to sell to everyone and how that can be counterproductive for your organization and your team. Now, on that note, let's dive in. David, thanks for joining us. Hey, Shane. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. David, for... Some people who might not be familiar with yourself or Experian, can you can you give us a quick background and intro?
2: Yeah, of course. So, my name is David Mason. Uh, I run the sales business for the marketing services arm of Experian in Australia and New Zealand. My background is been in sales for nearly 20 years across the UK and Australia, starting off as um, a salesperson uh, selling in London, selling software and then progressing through over the years, different roles, different verticals, different capabilities, but primarily around data analytics and, and marketing have been my, my primary focus. Uh, more recently, I've been running uh, the sales business in, in the Australia business for our marketing division, and also uh, the product business, uh, where I've been trying to work out how do we effectively help marketers communicate with customers in a in a personalized manner. And experience has been investing in that for a number of years in a number of markets, uh, and we're very, very lucky to have a high-profile customer base.
1: Gotcha. And for some people who might not be familiar with Experian, can you tell us a little bit about Experian as well?
2: Yeah, of course. Experience, um, Experian isn't as well-known as a brand in the Australian market. Globally, it's a FTSE 100 business, so it turns over $5-6 five, five, billion a year. But it's most well known in the US and UK markets as a credit bureau, uh, where it helps uh, consumers manage their credit profiles so they can effectively get credit from financial institutions at a good rate. However, about a quarter of our business globally is, is a marketing division, which uses the same philosophies of aggregation of data, but for the purposes of marketing insight and intelligence. So whilst we don't really use any of the bureau data for that purpose, we still use all the same methodology and techniques and technology to uh, enable marketers to understand who their customers are, target them in the right channel with the right message in an effective manner. And we've been doing it in the Australian market for, for 25 years.
1: Thanks for that, that's amazing. Now, let's dive into this topic and, and the idea of not selling to everyone, right? And And why that's counterintuitive and why should people be aware of it?
2: Yeah, so you know when we when we talk to our sales teams and when we talk to our salespeople, we we start at the basics. So we all have quotas, and we've all had quotas, you know, throughout our lives. And I guess that's part and parcel of being a salesperson or a sales leader. And I, I would I wouldn't actually know any any different. And the way that we help our teams break down, you know, how their quota can be achieved and ultimately overachieved is understanding the fundamentals of what is required for them to be successful. And when you boil it down, it's it's pretty interesting math. We talk we talk in our sales team about we typically like to meet 20 companies a month, but I don't need to sell to all 20 of those organizations to hit the monthly, monthly and quarterly quotas. So when we do the math, looking at average order values and, and conversion rates, now we realize that it's only actually... Probably two of those companies that we need to sell to out of the 20 to hit our quotas and to grow our business at the pace that we want to grow it, uh, and that then creates a really interesting perspective, because then the, the the challenge changes from trying to convince 20 companies that the services that you're offering are critical to the to their to their business problems, to looking for the two or three or four or five that have business problems that they actually want to solve and that that contact is committed to investigating and it completely changes the way that uh, our people invest their time and, and energy and it allows us to get deeper into sales engagements and offer better service and experience to those customers.
1: Right yeah because in a lot of situations salespeople are trying to show a "Quote unquote fat pipeline," right? To convince a sales manager that hey, you know, because the sales manager has to report up to that, and they want to look good, and that, that you know they're they're on track to hit those numbers, and sometimes you know some of those are made up. So it's interesting that you 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 kind of preach the opposite of that. Of you know we we don't need to do that, and we got to really find the people that are in need and have are really struggling struggling rather than trying to sell to everyone. I mean, what's what's the problem of trying to sell to everyone or trying to sell to all 20 of those
2: well, firstly, you know, what I wouldn't say is, and if any of my team were listening to this, uh, what I'm not saying is you, can't, you don't have to go out into market and have a level of activity that allows you to identify five. It still requires you to speak to 20 companies, typically in our industry anyway, to find the, you know, the five that you want to invest your time in. Yeah, the activity piece is, is still critical and it, 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 for, for no other reason other than it, you get to practice your pitch, you get to get some more feedback from the market in terms of how our services are, are, are viewed, uh, and also, you know, you can't be perfect every time. So activity is still critical. There's no question about that. But the way that we approach it from a pipeline perspective is, you're right, pipeline is, is typically overinflated. And that goes up all the way into the business. And when you realize that, you know, when I report into my MD and he reports into Singapore, which is our head office for APAC, uh, we can't afford to have overinflated pipelines for for budget and forecasting purposes. So what we do is uh, we look at our pipeline on a monthly and quarterly basis. And we we get into a cycle where at the beginning of each quarter, we, we do a culling exercise where we have some methodologies that we have trained our people on to identify uh, which prospects or which uh, sales opportunities are our best place for that quarter. And our job is actually to reduce the pipeline. We're actually trying our best in our engagement to remove and give opportunities the chance to come out of our pipeline and what we find is by approaching it that way we almost get a resistance from the prospects or our clients who actually want to buy from us to go no actually I want to I want to stay in this engagement and they're the ones that we're kind of looking for
0: hey it's alex from x growth i just wanted to take a moment to tell you about the growth colony slack channel do you ever find yourself stuck with a b2b problem need a second opinion on your next campaign or looking for some feedback on that piece of Martech you're thinking to purchase. Well, that's why we created the Growth Colony Slack channel. This Slack channel is like a small dinner party where you get to meet and mingle with B2B professionals, hear what others are doing, and keep up to date with the latest B2B trends and news. You'll also get access to a range of exclusive content from our podcasts, webinars, and events. The best thing about it? It's all free. If this sounds interesting, head over to growthcolony.org forward slash Slack and sign up. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack.
1: You mentioned before it's a, it's a when we previously spoke, it's a it's more of a psychological thing, right? Because it's hard to uh, to call or 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 Reduce pipeline. You, you, the the salesperson has a certain amount of attachment to that pipeline. Do you see that as a as a challenge, or you know? And if you, if you do, how do you go about addressing it?
2: Yeah, it's a massive challenge. You know, and I, I think back to my days, uh, you get emotionally attached to your your deals, especially under such a high pressure situation as as sales. So you know, there is a comfort to having a large pipeline, but uh there's a few there's a few there's a few psychological things that we we notice firstly uh it's inherent that you're not honest with yourself in your pipeline and you just can't afford to lie to yourself so if you're telling yourself that there's an opportunity here when you deep down know that there isn't it's a big issue and what you'll end up doing is you'll actually get into a spiral where you're engaging with a, an organization that doesn't actually want to engage with you uh, and your confidence will go so what we typically do in that scenario is we use our colleagues and our managers uh, to help us qualify our pipeline because we want impartial views um, to help us you know, maintain that honesty. So that's kind of the first one. Uh, second one is we look for people who want to buy. So yes, there may be the greatest opportunity in the world that you know a client may have a problem, but if they don't want to buy, then What you're going to do is you're going to enter into an engagement where you as a salesperson are going to keep pushing 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 and you're not going to get the progress that you want and that has a massive impact on confidence so we know we have this saying in our businesses of sell to people that want to buy and you're trying to find the people that want to buy so it's a very very difficult skill and what, what we've noticed over the years is the most successful people in our businesses aren't the best sales people, or not the best industry people, they're not the people who typically uh, have the best pitch. They're the people who are the best at qualifying as early as they can in the sales process, whether or not that prospect has the potential and, and appetite to engage in the process. And then what they can do is they can have a more productive env- engagement with less organisations. And I know from my experience, I I've done I I've, I've run up so many deals in my life where you know in hindsight I should have killed them after a month or so, and I've ended up eighteen months of slow torture where I'm kidding myself that there's something that isn't actually there.
1: We're all uh, well, I guess we're all guilty of that. But but you you mentioned something interesting. You said you know sell to those who who want to buy, which is kind of. Goes against the 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 mantra of oh I can sell sell ice to an Eskimo right where uh, you go in, in, you know in in high pressure environments and the the, the analogy of hey sell me this pen uh, what what so what what do you mean by that like you know sell to those who want to buy are you are you saying that you know a person can sell ice to an Eskimo analogy is is not right
2: yeah I I I don't I don't buy into that mythology. You know, however much The Wolf of Wall Street is, a, is an interesting and fun film. I don't, we don't set our sales businesses up with that mentality. Uh, we're not here to try and trick people. We're not here to try and, you know, have one-upmanship to show that uh, we can manipulate someone thinking to want to buy our, our services. What we're actually looking for is, is good fits. There are situations where there are people out there wanting to solve problems and have problems that need solving. And all we're trying to do is look for those problems to ensure that if we do have a solution that fits the need, then we have a high chance and high probability that the solution we deliver will actually deliver value and then a positive engagement and then a long-term future partnership. So we do not, we absolutely do not go down the mantra of uh, every single person wants to buy our products and services at any moment in time. Typically, there's a spectrum of do our services meet that industry? And is it the right time for that organisation to take our services? And if those two things can align, then we're in, we know we're in the best position to use our resources to deliver a, a high quality service and experience.
1: Yeah, and that's that's so important. Uh, I mean, you yeah you see that quite a lot in in sales departments where you know sell to everyone and uh not not every we right not everyone is is um is open to buying and not everyone you're a good fit and you waste so much energy on pushing that deal through the pipeline now previously we spoke about a methodology that you have implemented at the company and you follow and you touched on it a little bit during this uh this conversation where that this the strongman qualification method is that right yeah exactly yeah Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we as a business, so a global business, there's someone out of the UK who built this strongman methodology, his name's Ed Val, and he's worked with the Experian business for probably 20 years across the UK and Australia. And it's very specific, the way we use it is very specific. It's about qualification of your pipeline. And it's about identifying who in your pipeline is serious about working with you, and therefore, the job of strongman is, is to not necessarily change the way you sell, but to increase the percentage point chance of you converting a deal. So again, it's not a silver bullet, but it's basically saying if I follow these processes, my chance of this deal closing or this opportunity becoming a long-term project for us increases And that's all we're looking for. We're looking for incremental increases. We're not looking for silver bullets. So we use methodologies in our business to identify business problems. You know, we've we've, things that probably is is probably a billion of them. Uh, The one that we've used the most in the past has been spin about understanding, you know, an explicit need. You know, a need that the customer says that is a problem and it's a problem that's sufficient enough for me to solve. But once we get to that point, we then use Strongman. And Strongman is built all around. Has the customer expressly said to you that they want to solve this problem? Have they expressly said to you that they believe your solution meets the need? And there's a few steps in between, which are about, are you getting introduced into the right stakeholders? And are they showing you that they're they're as engaged in the process as you are? It's not just you pushing all the actions it's them showing that um, they're involved and invested in the in the process and illustrating that they're willing to push this forward as hard as you are
1: i'd imagine you have to put some really clear indicators there because like what you said showing if if they're interested could sometimes turn into a if there's there are no strong indicators associated with it, it could turn into a Kind of fluffy metric, right? Where people could make it up and say, yeah, they're totally engaged. So I'm, I'm guessing there's, there's some very clear indicators that this box needs to be ticked in order for us to say this person has been engaged. Is that is that correct?
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So if you think Strongman's an acronym, you can if you go into Amazon, you can buy the book. Um, we know Ed very well. All the proceeds to the book he, he donates to charity. But Strongman's an acronym, and it's quite a long acronym. So what we do is uh, Ed helps us like chunk it down a bit. So the first thing we do in Strongman when we're reviewing pipelines, so you know pipelines can get quite large, as, you, as you've mentioned. So you have to have a very quick way of going through a pipeline without having to go through the whole acronym. So our first step when we look through pipeline is we try and put the pipeline into two buckets. We put them into either research or review. And the big difference between whether um, an opportunity is in research or review for for us is that concept that the client has said that they want to solve the problem and it and it may sound nuanced but there's a massive difference between i've got a problem and i want to solve the problem because i've got hundreds of problems like literally hundreds in my life but i i only solve the ones that are a priority to me because i just don't have time to solve them all so our biggest, our biggest first step is, have they expressly said to you that that problem is something they want to solve? Only then will they move into review. And there's a few other things that help us get it into review, like, you know, are they introducing you to a wider stakeholder group? if they are if they're the only per, if you were just working with one contact, then typically we say that's a research phase, that's someone trying to gather information, whereas if they're introducing you to multi stakeholders then we go right, okay, they're now looking at you as a reviewing you as a service. So I'd say those those are that's the really quick qualification process that we go through, and it helps us then just cull a whole bunch of of opportunities to then start building a bit more detail around the ones that that we feel have those aspects,
1: yeah, that's. You know that's so important what you say. I you know an example that I usually give people about, hey I have a problem but I'm not looking to solving it. You know, I, my the, the lid of my kettle in the kitchen is broken, right? And that's a problem. Now, I can get by. I'm not looking at solving that problem. I know it's a problem. And no matter how hard you try to sell me on a new kettle, I'm going to go and say, "You know what? It's fine. It's doing the job. It's all right. Yeah, it's it's a bit inconvenient, but it's The pain is not great enough to go and try to solve it for me actively. So it's a, that's, that's a very interesting way of, of separating the research and review stage. I also know that you have a very strong focus on kind of challenging the customer, right? So it's not just about, hey, we're going over there and presenting something to them and, and they kind of look at it. And they tell us, hey, make these changes, or this is what I want exactly. There's also a culture of challenging the customer uh, at Experian. Can you tell, tell me a little bit more about that?
2: Yes, yeah, so it, it's related to identifying the problems. So, And, and we're not perfect at this, right? And I'm, we're always talking to our, to our teams around how we can help them challenge customers in a professional manner. So, you know, to your point, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting concept. You know, you think about all the problems you have in your life and then think about the ones that you actually end up solving and then think about why you solve those problems. It's the same in the business world. But the way that we get to that is, is through challenging our customers. So, but, but, but what we find inherent is salespeople are, are, are worried about challenging their customers because either they feel like um, their the customers don't want them to challenge them or they're worried that they're going to hear a no. Uh, and they're going to qualify pipeline out when in reality it's the absolute inverse so every customer that i i speak to and you know i do post deal reviews where we win and lose uh, opportunities every single one without fail wants partners to be walking into their business with an opinion whether it's about their industry or about their business and they want to hear about solutions that they've got for problems that they already know about. But they actually want to hear about solutions to problems they don't even know about uh, that are probably coming. So it's very difficult to do that if you don't challenge a customer. And they've got a very one, typically a, you know, a very limited view of, of our world because they're not an expert in our, in our business. So my business is an expert in describing consumers. Whereas if I talk to a telco, their expertise is in delivering services, telco services across, across the business. So what we find is the most engaging and the most kind of progressive meetings are ones where there's been an element of challenge, where we've had to put an opinion forward based on you know our experience. And the way that we do that is we try and get the salespeople to think about how much knowledge they actually are imparting in a sales engagement. Uh, they're the experts. So instead of think, feeling like they're subservient to a prospect, they should be walking in there and going, I do this every day of my life. So I've got something to, of value to offer you here. So why wouldn't I share that with you? And if if, if we both come to a, a, an agreement that there's no opportunity here, then so be it. But um, I'm, I'm walking in here offering you value just by, by meeting with you.
1: Gotcha, Now, very interesting. The, the last point that I wanna to touch on, uh, David, is around mistakes that that you've done in order to kind of get some of these concepts right. Because as we talked about it before, some of them sound counterintuitive, and we have to kind of stumble and and make those mistakes in order to really grasp the concepts. So when you kind of look at your own ca- career in sales and think about some of the mistakes that you've made and 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 how you've over overcome them, what comes to mind? I've made um, <laughs> I've made an enormous number of mistakes. Give us give us the top two two or three that come to mind.
2: So if we think about what you know, the topic we're talking about today, there's a couple of projects that I've had in the last five years where I've invested probably eighteen months to two years in something that, in hindsight, never actually existed. You know, it was an absolute pipe dream. And uh, whilst I was getting a level of engagement from the client, you know, they were willing to talk to me and meet me it was because i had a level of credibility it was not because i was helping them solve a problem uh, that they wanted to solve so i am i am as guilty as anyone and i'm consciously i am constantly conscious of working on projects that i think are useful versus working on projects that i have asked and have qualified and continue to qualify are of value to the customer so that would be one the other, the, other, the other big mistakes I've made in these long sales cycle projects is things change. I know now, you know, as I've got more senior, um, and I, I have to make decisions for businesses, how quickly and how frequently and how drastically things change. So even sometimes when you get a need and the client says, yes, that's a priority, what I've, the mistakes I've made in the past is I've been assumed over the next six to seven months that that priority is still a priority. Whereas what, what we, we should be doing is we should be constantly validating it. Like, almost like, you know, as a start of a meeting, hey, last time we talked about this, um, you said it was a massive priority because of this. Is that still the case? Is there anything changed before I carry on? Rather than just jumping into a PowerPoint presentation and go, right, we talked about this a month ago, right, wait, this is what we need to do next.
1: Yeah, a lot happens in a month, huh?
2: Yeah. Oh, especially in the, in the
1: Co- environment. COVID happens in a month. Covid happens in a week, yeah, exactly. so uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're we're,
2: we're noticing it. Yeah, we, we track we track consumer sentiment and consumer behaviours, and it's changing all the time. So any assumptions we make today are irrelevant. Nick. And you know, if it, if it's happening in the consumer, the consumer leads businesses. It's happening in business, so that is something that I, I don't think I'll ever perfect. But it's it's something I'm I'm conscious of and proactively ask and question myself on. Yes,
1: yeah, fascinating how. We because we're not involved, we we sometimes assume that things have been constant in the past month that we haven't we haven't uh, talked to someone. So uh, no, those are those are two really good examples. Now, look before we we wrap this up, do you think there is anything else on on this topic and and the range of topics that we discussed today that I haven't covered that you think our our listeners would uh, would would get value from?
2: I'd, I'd just say the, the, big, the big thing that we take from, from the strongman methodology, as much as it is a framework for us to qualify deals, it's, it's a sense that our role as salespeople in helping organizations meet their objectives and their growth ambitions is more important than sometimes we give ourselves credit for and i think if as a salesperson or a sales manager or leader i think what we've worked really hard at is instilling in our people that as they walk into meetings they are adding value and as such that value should be recognized in their behavior and the way they approach deals and they should be proud that they can walk into a business whether it be a tier one telco or a, or a charity that that they've actually got something to offer that business to help them progress. And it's a massive change in the psychology because you then change from I'm thankful for your time to uh, actually it's a bit more of an equal footing here. So uh, I want to progress and and partner on this opportunity. So, uh, you know, if if there was one thing that I'd I'd, I'd add is you need to know your value that you're adding both personally and, and, and as a business.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And, you know, I've been I've been involved in conversations with sales leaders where they, you know, they would go and say, you know what, you're the price. When you're talking to someone, you have to think of yourself as the prize, and, and that's the that's the way that you can you can convey the value of, of what you're what you're trying to sell or, or show to the client. And it's not about being arrogant or or you know, having a negative attitude, but it's it's more about having that mentality in order to better present and make the customer understand. That's um that's an amazing point. Well, David, I really appreciate it. I very much enjoy this conversation and I'm sure a lot of our lessons are gonna gain a lot of value from all your points. And and again, thank you very much for coming on the show, David.
2: No problem. And thank you for having me. And as I say, this is a this is a constant challenge that we that we face and we're we're always improving so by no means do we think we've got it we've got it nailed so i look forward to hearing what other people have got to add and we're always looking for ways to improve our business so if this helps anyone else then then i'm I'm pretty happy
1: i love it now if anyone has more questions or want to know more about experience or yourself what's the best way for for them to go about that
2: You, you can find my my linkedin profile so uh, it's probably the best way to get get in touch with me. No doubt that we can connect through you. So or the experience, you know, experience website. But
1: these days, it's not hard to find people. You can you can't escape otherwise. LinkedIn is the place to go. That's right. No, that that, that sounds great. David, thanks so much. All right, cool.
2: Thanks, Shane. See soon.
0: Hey, it's Alex again from X Growth. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It would really help get the word out to other B2B professionals. If you're hungry for more B2B content, make sure to join our Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack, where we share the latest B2B news, tactics, tips, and chat about problems we're facing in the B2B space and find solutions together. That's growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode.